So we're going to do our PlayStation Portable episode today, is that? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the PSP. It seems timely. Obviously, we're gonna we have uh, gonna move our PSP episode maybe to next time because PlayStation, for good reason, had to move around their event and they actually, as we record this, had the PlayStation Five. I'll say it was the PS Five launch event. Is probably the right way to say it. Uh, last night. So yeah, I would I would call it so. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's talk about it. I mean, I am. Obviously, Federico, I'd love to know what you think about everything, but Shahid, I am particularly interested in your thoughts on all this stuff. Um, no, you know, having been so intimately attached to PlayStation for so long. From a presentation perspective, the actual one hour, a bit, bit longer than an hour, I think, YouTube video. How do you think Sony did kind of on a meta level of transitioning to this type of event? Which, whilst they had already pulled out of E3, they were probably still going to do an in-person press event, um, but instead they went much more Nintendo style with the you know let's call it like Sony Direct or whatever we'll call it. Uh, what what were kind of your main takeaways from how this video was presented? I thought they smashed it. Yeah, I think that's one of the most powerful, confident, and reassured presentations that I've ever seen PlayStation do. Mm-hmm. I thought they absolutely nailed the tone of the times. I thought it was very interesting that they had predominantly black backgrounds for most of the speakers and that everybody was dressed reasonably casually, Mm. that people were not overly um, effusive. Mm. So there was a combination of that along with the really cool electric blue of the logo and just the understated... Robo isolation aesthetic of the whole thing, right down to the console. <laughs> Robo isolation yeah. is a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you look at it, I mean the the whole thing could have been a Chris Cunningham video, including the device itself. I, I thought it was really, really perfectly placed. I, I'm not going to say that it was the most exciting thing ever done. Mm-hmm. What, what I'm trying to say is that they nailed, I think the the mood of the time and the the need of the time yeah which which was basically give us some great games show us that on launch there's going to be some really really good stuff convince us that this is all going to be coming from a ps5 make us believe that this generational leap is worthwhile and do it in a tone that's respectful to creators and show us the device they nailed all that so I would give them a 9 out of 10. Mm. I know I'm biased, but I would give them a 9 out of 10. My very favorite thing about this presentation is that by not having an in-person event, there was no cringe-worthy moments. <laughs> no jokes. No, no bad jokes. No mm-hmm. people playing games that don't know how to play games. Mm-hmm. No celebrities coming on stage and trying to give a presentation that they don't care about. Right, like, None of that. And uh, again, it's like I'm I'm not necessarily applauding Sony for this because I guarantee they would have done this if given the chance, right? But like it's just trickier to do all of that stuff with these video events. So I hope that they learn, like many companies will learn from this because really this is how they should do all of their events anyway. Um, I think there are a lot of companies that would be best served just putting out events this way unless they, you know, I can't really imagine that if this would have been a, a presentation, many people would have even been able to play the games, even press afterwards, because it still feels maybe a little early for that, but I don't know, maybe. Eh, probably not, actually. I'm sure they would have done some demos. 
but it's just the idea of like just show the games like i mm-hmm. don't care about like this person coming out on stage to talk to me about the celebrity endorsements that they've got and then bring out this hockey player or whatever like but what if he was Dwayne Johnson yeah but the rock's different like the because the mm. rock has is charismatic <laughs> right like he can he can well, it's like when Keanu Reeves came out and did the Xbox thing that's a very good that point. was awesome right yeah. because Keanu Reeves can do it but like you I've we've all seen videos every every year like there are cringe compilations made from E3 right like which are wonderful to watch but they're so terrible when you're watching them in the moment like there were no influencers coming out and forgetting their lines right like it's none of that stuff and i think what you do by by stripping back all of that crap is put the focus on what people actually care about which is the games and that's what they did and what sony have done here is so good because they have come out and said look at all of these amazing games you can only get them with us now what are you going to do and mm-hmm. this is like my big takeaway from this is microsoft have made big moves right like we've been talking about it for a long time they're doing great stuff like i'm more interested in xbox than i have before but yeah. sony's exclusive slate will keep pulling me back in because I can't get them anywhere else, which isn't the same with Microsoft, right? Because I have a PC. I can just get all their exclusives, right? Like, I don't need an Xbox. So showing me all of these games, so good. And they have way more than I thought they were going to as well. Like, way more games, way more time spent on Mm -hmm. this. Uh, And again, like, we could talk about it. There's a ton of stuff that I do not care about at all that they showed. But there were a bunch that I did. Something for everyone, right? I think they really kind of got that here. Yeah. Like one of my favorite things is there are two distinct games that have a looping time looping mechanic, which I just yeah. thought was funny. It's like, okay, there's clearly something going on here. One looked like it was like, one was, the, the, I can't remember. It was like that alien game. It's called, it had a good name, like Returnal. 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 Yeah, Housemark. Yeah. Housemark. Just such a great name. It's Housemark game, but it's not for me. I can see that. It's like, that's too dark. It's too, like, uh, uh, alien-y and creepy. Like, at least from what I've seen there, it's like leaning towards Hideo Kojima. Uh, Mm. And that's great if you love those games, and lots of people do, but that's not really my style anymore. Uh, But it looked beautiful. But I just don't think it was was my game specifically. But anyway, I'm getting off track now. Um, Federico, what were kind of your overall takeaways from the presentation? So I'm um, going to save the hardware discussion for later. I think mm-hmm. the, the the bigger point here is that there's a striking difference between the Sony approach and the Microsoft approach. I think Microsoft has done, over the past few months, a really good job at um, this constant trickling down of updates and news about the next Xbox from a technological... Which means they have owned the cycle so far. They own the cycle so far and they captured a lot of interest, especially mm-hmm. from hardcore players and the developer community because of what they were good, what they were doing, what they were announcing on the technological side of things. Still though, as a player, when we saw some of those uh, Xbox um, Series X uh, uh, games announcements in a, in a video last month, I believe, I was kind of let down because essentially the takeaway was okay they're launching a console with a bunch of games and halo infinite 
That was basically the gist of it. Yeah. And instead, Sony came out and says, and even if you go to the PlayStation 5 website right now, it's so clear what they're trying to sell you. The first thing you see is two versions of the same console. So uh, with a disc, disc drive and digital edition. And then if you scroll, it's a very clear message. It says... Um, like four, four, no, three points, lightning speed, stunning games, breathtaking immersion. Then you keep scrolling and there's like six games that they want you to know they're coming to PS5. Spider-Man, Horizon, Ratchet and Clank, Gran Turismo, Returnal and Sackboy. And then later, a bunch of other games in a, in a text list. So like the focus is on the games. They want you to know we have a new console. It's fast. It's beautiful. Here's what it does. And we have the games. Mm-hmm. And here are six big exclusives plus a bunch more that are um, timed exclusives or class platform. Some of them coming 2020. Some of them, most of them coming 2021. And I thought as a player, this is a much clearer, concise and to the point message. Like, yeah, I'm on board with this. With the Xbox, I'm like, they're doing some pretty impressive stuff. But like, what are the games? And instead, I, I thought this presentation was, uh, you know, just the good stuff. Here are all the games that are coming, and they look amazing. They look beautiful. And it's not just shooters. We have a bunch of weird and interesting things. And I thought, as a player, uh, they captured my attention a lot more than Microsoft did. Yeah, Microsoft is definitely going harder on the hardware than mm-hmm. than Sony have up until this point. But even then, right, like Microsoft, you go to the Xbox Series X website and it's all hardware, right? Like how impressive their hardware is. And it does look very impressive. Could, you know, I I don't know, maybe we'll end up being faster than the PlayStation. That's awesome. But I've got to want the games and I don't have such a strong feeling about the games that have been shown off. Now, I think it's worth saying there is very likely more for Microsoft to show, and they are going to be showing more. I don't know what that more will be, but there is still a chance for them to have more stuff to show us. Um, we should talk about the console. So mm. it is very bold. The design is, <laughs> I think, is the clear thing to say here. This is a very bold design. Uh, I expect I reacted the same way that everybody else did, where I was like, oh, right, like initially, because it is shocking. And and I'm not saying that it is bad or good in that statement, but it will certainly surprise you um, because, you know, I've seen a lot of people say this. There's a lot of good memes right now, but mm. it looks more like a concept design than yeah. an actual console design, which is very intriguing. Yeah. So my first reaction, which I still think the day after, I absolutely love this design. And, um, some things, you know, a lot of people say, oh, how can you say that you love the look of something without having just seen it? And I've always been this way. Like some things, I look at them and I instantly don't like them. And other things, I look at them and I'm like, yeah, I love it. I, mm-hmm. it this works for me, visually speaking. And as context here, I should say, and there's going to be a link for this in the show notes. I've always been a fan of Sony's weird industrial design like for all kinds of appliances and gadgets and consoles that they've done over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, I Sony design speaks to my heart even when it's weird, especially when it's weird. And to an extent, the PlayStation 5 is kind of weird in that regard, in that, regard, in that it, it, uh, if the whole industry is zigging toward 
a box, like a black box with a, a, essentially a PC inside, Sony is zagging and saying, no, here's a console that has curves and this particular um, sh shape for the vents and it looks like a concept and it looks like an evil robot when it stands upright. It's, I think it's absolutely beautiful. This the duotone approach works for me. Mm -hmm. I like when I saw the DualSense controller, which was announced uh, before the console. I fell in love with the look of the controller, and I can confirm that the duotone approach, black and white, works for the console as well for me. Um, it does seem to be uh, a console that invites you to use it vertically. Yes, you can place it down horizontally. Um, but judging from the promo shots and the fact that a stand seems to be included by default yeah. this time around with the console, it does seem to suggest that Sony wants you to use it vertically. I would like to to, to make a point that I, I feel, and, and I would, Shahid, love to know what you think about this. I think the PS5 has exam an example of something that I have not seen in game console hardware before, which is purely superfluous design. In the sense that, like, so you've got, like, the, the, the main part of the console is that black part in the middle. That's where everything is, right? And it is wrapped around with this white plastic. Now, at the very top of the console, mm -hmm. there are, like, there's, like, extra plastic, right? Yeah. Like, it, it, it's, it spreads out wider. And that feels, to me, just really a design decision, like, you could have made it quite different and still yeah. had all of the airflow that you would have wanted by just, you know, I don't know, having those the, the, the white parts all line up. And I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I actually think it's a good thing because there is more design going gone into this. And I just wonder, like, does that make sense, what I'm saying about it being just kind of like superfluous, really, from the, from the surface? Oh, totally. I, I think whether or not it's superfluous, and only time will tell, the the main thing is that I think for the first time in PlayStation's history, they've gone for something that isn't utilitarian, that yes. isn't just a box, yes. that is meant to be a feature piece and is a legitimate part of the home. Whereas before, I think maybe 20 years ago, 25 years ago, there was a sense of being slightly apologetic from all mm -hmm. console manufacturers. Here's a box that sits alongside all your others. Now it's, no, this is the box. This is the thing that you want to highlight in your home. Yeah. I'll tell you how beautiful I think it is. I think it's, it's so beautiful that I would willingly change the entire decor in our living room to match it. <laughs> I don't disagree with that. I actually uh, you see. Yeah. I'm on the I'm on the other side here, where I, <laughs> I think it looks really great, but I want to hide it. No, no, it's too for me personally. In my living room, it's too much of a statement around one thing, and and I I completely understand what you're saying, but like I personally would hope that it will still fit inside of my home entertainment system i i i want to put it horizontally inside but i'm starting to think that that might not be possible and so it's probably going to end up living behind the tv no it will it will go in your entertainment system i think that the point is they'll come out with this brash approach yeah but it's it's playstation it's sony it's a consumer product yeah. they know 
that to start off with, they've got to make a statement, but they know where it's going to end up. Mm. I mean, even if I say what I'm saying, and I believe what I'm saying right now, the fact of the matter is, two years down the road, my PS5 is going to be sitting underneath my TV set, just like everything else. Mm -hmm. But the first couple of months, it's going to be out there proudly on display, and I'm going to be happy about that. Shall I tell you what I I found really curious and... um, Perhaps, perhaps this is a crazy conspiracy theory. Okay, but I, I love don't it. think, I don't think there were any accidents in that entire presentation. And what I mean by that is, look how stripped back everything was. Look how few textual mentions of PlayStation there were. Look at the logo for PlayStation Studios. How stripped down that was as well. Mm. You know, before you would have that long, long text. And that goes down to the duotone choice for the PS5 itself and the launch reveal color for the DualSense controller. What is it? It's white with a core of black. You know what that tells me? That tells me last couple of generations, Xbox was, I'd say, predominantly white. It was different before. Here we have something that's, that seems a little bit, you know bright and in your face on the outside Mm. but the core is still essentially playstation black in other words we we can do this we know what we are but we can also do this which i thought was a really really powerful statement there's no Mm. doubt it will come in all black as well but i just think that the way that they presented the whole thing with the predominance of white in the time that we're in with the core of black was really deliberately thought out the whole messaging for the entire presentation from the from the device through to the backgrounds used for the speakers through to the focus on games the tone was just pitch perfect i've never seen anything like it the only thing i've seen that was comparable in quality was the switch reveal but in terms of tone this mm. is better than that it's more consistent for me that the switch reveal was like the best gaming console reveal of all time the switch but, reveal like, was incredible yeah yeah uh, I should. I, I want to mention two things. One is a point that I'm pretty sure I made on remaster before. Uh, I'm all for celebrating weird and original and weird in the in a good sense for me always. Uh, but uh, different console designs. So the GameCube and in this case the PlayStation Five, they're not boring gray or black boxes. And I feel like this is a good thing. It's fun, it's beautiful, and it should always be celebrated when companies try different things. Um, Second, I need to mention those wireless headphones in Duotone. Oh my God, those headphones are beautiful. They have (laughs) the, they they are the, the, they have sort of like the same structure, I would say, and shape of the really good Sony headphones that I have. Obviously, these are going to be much, much cheaper because they need to be sold to consumers. They cannot be $2,000 headphones. However, the shape of the ear cups and the shape of the of the headband, that is very reminiscent of the Sony headphones that I have. So I'm very excited to see how this works in practice, especially with 3D audio. I'm super excited about these headphones and the way that they look. And the accessories also look fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a remote that is all white. There's a camera, which looks pretty okay. We haven't seen anything PlayStation VR related. Well, I expect that camera is. That camera is. 
and it's very interesting. Also, I want to point out the stand to charge two DualSense controller at the same, controllers at the same time. Also very nice. So I'm probably going to end up purchasing all of these things <laughs> because I really love the look the of the whole set. not going to get the remote. I mean, why not? I mean... No. Yes. To be fair, I probably am because it's a it's better remote than the Apple TV remote. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, bar. There's only one reason you need the remote, in my opinion. Are you going disc or no disc? So that's a very good question. I'm thinking about it. My instinct is just take a look at my, at my purchase habits over the past few years. I have bought some physical PS4 games. But by and large, I've downloaded all of them from the PlayStation Store. A few years ago, I would have told you, no, I will never go digital only. Now, and again, not considering the price and, and anything, but just the design and the practicality of it, I think I'm going to go digital. Like, yeah, I'm going to miss buying physical games, mm-hmm. but also I liked, you know, I preferred buying physical games when I lived in Viterbo and I could go to the v- local video game shop of my friend. But now I live in Rome and it's not fun to buy physical video games from Amazon or GameStop. It's like, you know, what's the fun of that? So probably going to go digital for the, for the PS5, I think. In which case the remote, yeah, it's probably superfluous. I don't need it. What about you, Shahid? Oh, I'm going to go for the, the disc-based one. Okay. Interesting. Why? Okay, so this is oh, a this, philo- is, oh, this is a this is a long thing then. <laughs> went, <laughs> no, okay, no, no, it so. won't be. I promise. It's a philosophical <laughs> thing. Mm. I uh, although for a lot of devices, including my Kindle, I do have a lot of digital stuff, uh, and I keep calling back to this. Uh, no one's going to be around forever. Me, least of all. I worry about what's going to happen to this stuff when I'm not around. You know, this is a a, a real problem with digital content everywhere. Who owns the account when either you want to get rid of it or, you know, you're not around anymore or, or you want to pass it on to someone else? You know, I remember one of the really cool things about the PS4 presentation was game sharing, where you had that wonderful little skit with uh, Yoshida-san and Adam Boys exchanging a physical disc. This is how you share games. Yeah. Right. You can't do that digitally. You still can't do that. There's no mechanism set up to do that yet. So that's the one thing. I, I like the idea of owning a physical manifestation of the things that I really love. Note, I do not do this for all my games. I only do it for the ones I really, really love. And I do exactly the same thing for physical books. A Kindle book that I love, I will buy a physical copy of it. That's become my backup plan, right? The stuff I really love, I will get a physical version of. But the second reason I want the thing is because I don't want to have uh, two Blu-ray players underneath my telly. I just want that one device to be able to play Blu-rays. And no, I don't play Blu-rays an awful lot. But when I do, then I'm going to want the device that can And this will do it in 4K. Exactly, exactly. I'm going digital only. Mm. Two reasons. One, I don't buy disc games. Like preloading solves the problem. I have a very good internet connection. But the the preloading thing is we just download the whole thing beforehand and you're fine anyway. The second is I think the disc version is horrifically ugly. I I hate it. It <laughs> the, loses that symmetry of the, the design. Bump that it has. Like I can't like it it for me personally, it ruins the design that they're attempting to make 
right? Where it's like, look at this taper. Oh, no, no, no taper. <laughs> don't worry. Like, I don't, I really don't like it. Uh, I think it looks great in the digital version. I, I don't like the disc version. I think Sony agree with this, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would expect that the majority of the press photos will probably be of the digital edition. Plus, Sony probably want to sell you the digital edition, um, because then they own the whole market experience, yeah. don't they? Right? Like, yeah, because then do. if you want to buy a video game, well, you have to buy it from them. And I'm sure that they will like that. It's, pro- it's definitely one of the reasons the digital edition exists first. And it's why the digital edition will be cheaper than the disc edition. Uh, and the, probably the other reason the digital edition exists is so they have a uh, better price offering potentially than Microsoft, right? They may be able to price something cheaper or at the same price as the Xbox Series X, depending on where Microsoft's going, by having a, a you know, PlayStation 5 starts at whatever price it's going to be, and that will be the digital edition. And that's what they will want people to buy. They could even, te- I mean, I know that uh, it's known, right? It's history. All consoles you lose money on for a while, right? Like, it's just mm. the way it goes. Not the previous generation, by the way. Oh, really? Absolutely. There was profit from unit one. Well, let's say historically. Historically, you're correct. And, and, and Sony may be... Especially with PS3. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, and I, I, my thinking would be Sony may be willing to take, even, like, to take a decent loss on the digital edition because they would definitely make that back um, where you maybe don't on the disc edition because people will buy pre-owned games or share games or whatever, and that won't be a thing that you will be able to do with a digital edition. But yeah, I'm going to go digital because I it's it's my habit. So you know, my habit my I only have one PlayStation 5 game and that's Spider-Man because it came with the console. So uh, that's that's probably the the well, that is definitely the route that I'll go on plus I don't, I'm not a big fan of the design. Your analysis of the rationale behind the two SKUs is spot on. Okay, good. Thank you. It is really weird to see two consoles at one time, right? That's that hasn't. I can't think of any time that's happened before. Well, with the PS3, there was a twenty gigabyte version and a sixty gigabyte version. Uh, the, the, the sizes is, is is a different thing, from, like you mm. know, because that's just like what I, I'm. I'm sure it's more than that, but it's like it's a bigger hard drive inside. Like it's a choice. I mean, like these are. This is like the version one and then maybe the version that comes a few months later typically right yeah um yeah. and and that's very intriguing to me it's like they already have a slim version available it, yeah i guess it kind of <laughs> yeah. is isn't it yeah um and i also really uh take my hat off to sony's marketing team for releasing the cons the controller design first because it calmed us all down yeah and gave yeah. us something to expect. I think that this design would have been too much all at once for most people to be able to accept, right? Because it's cause because it is so different looking. I think if we would have just seen this, uh, it would have been, I think, more of a negative reaction where it seems like the reaction, whilst there's lots of memes, is actually pretty positive about this. I think that they shielded themselves with the controller design. Where the control, like where like the controller yeah. seems so wildly different to us, the controller is much closer to what we would expect than the than the console is. Yeah, and I think that the something about the design you may or may not like it. 
I think based on the reactions that I've seen on Twitter, I mean, you know, the memes and the, and the funny posts are always going to happen. And they're good too. And they're good too. But I feel like, like it or not, this is an instantly iconic design. Whereas, like, you compare the Xbox Series X and the PS5, like what I did last night was I went to Google Images and I saved to my camera roll two photos, one of the PS5 and the other of the X, the new Xbox. And I opened them in photos and I started scrolling in between them, like swiping between them to like quickly change and compare them. And it is striking. Like the PS5, you can instantly form a mental image in your, mm. at least in my mind. And the Xbox, I just think of a shape, like of, of a like of a brick. The PS5, I think of like, instantly, I don't know, it just, it's iconic, like in the first 20 seconds of looking at it. Wait, Federico, did you just set up a fake UI for Tinder to compare consoles? <laughs> just essentially, when you think about it, sort of what I did. Um, but yeah, I mean... I don't know. I think it looks amazing. And obviously, this the whole duotone approach, I think it's also very clever in that it lends itself well to future different versions, different iterations of it, like uh, different colors, different branding. Uh, with like the, the Sometimes you get these um, console versions that have game-specific colors or textures or branding on them. And I think that this kind of approach gives you the freedom to do that. And also the dual sense. the more I keep looking at it, the more I think it looks amazing. And the more I really want to see what the haptic feedback stuff and the adaptive, adaptive triggers are going to feel like in practice. So overall, like design-wise, this is a big win for me, personally speaking, because it's new, it's fresh, it's elegant, it's futuristic. It looks like a, con- I mean, it looks like a concept made real, mm. which is, you know, sometimes you take a look at these concepts and you're like, yeah, they're not going to do this wild design you know like uh these curves and this weird shape they're never gonna do it but instead they did and i don't know this is very exciting to me this 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 black and white monolith that stares down at you i think it's both evil and amazing at the same time so yeah i want one for sure shahid can you tell me about uh a small handful of the games that you are intrigued from the presentation most of them, I would say. So the first thing I need to do is um, go over what I've said before very briefly, which is I'm less interested in the graphical improvement of this generation than I am about the speed of accessibility of the experience. And so for me, the really exciting thing is having that SSD and being able to load stuff up ridiculously quickly that to me is hugely appealing but that said i was still shocked at the improvement in graphics and i think graphically from what i saw the improvement is the biggest step forward so far i don't think jim ryan was guilty of hype when he said that it represents the biggest leap forward in their console generational history so far i was blown away with I'd say ninety percent of the games I saw, that that's not a totally accurate figure, obviously. But uh, there are only a few that, obviously, because of stylization reasons, weren't intended to be graphical showpieces. Um, so for me, some of the some of the the biggest standouts, uh, 
Gran Turismo 7. I mean, mm. that's as close as I'm ever going to get to driving a DB11. Now, people would have said that jokingly five years ago, and obviously longer ago than that. But for once, I'm not saying it because it's just a video game car. I'm saying it because the version you see in this game looks so good that I don't know if I'll actually need to drive a real one. The realism in that was just insane. Um, I loved how Ratchet and Clank demonstrated the different worlds through the portals. And I, I get the feeling that was a tech demo almost mm, to was. show yeah. that you can change your, um, your environment almost instantaneously. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you'll actually have that many changes in the game itself. It might get really confusing. But the fact that you can do that is a really, really good sign. I was really encouraged by that. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the games I was not as interested in. Uh, I don't think that's fair because, as we said earlier, I think there was something for everyone in there. So I'm just going to talk about the ones that really stood out for mm -hmm. me. I thought Stray from Annapurna looked staggeringly good. I mean, it was weird that there was a cat there, and it's not the only game with a cat. So themes that kept coming back were it's death funny. loops. Cats and time loops. Yeah. So death loops, you know, this is the thing that I get I don't get about death loops. The whole premise of death loop is that you've seen it in movies, but the reason you see it in movies is because movies were aping video games. Video games don't have to ape movies doing video mm -hmm. games. The whole concept of video game is you die and you get to try again. You don't have to base the story premise on that. I have a theory about this, about the death looping idea, why we've seen two games do it. Because load times aren't going to be as long. Mm. So when load times aren't as long, it's like, oh, we can make people replay things faster. Like I can see <laughs> oh, how, yeah. how you end up coming to that. Uh, idea potentially right the, the the multiple cats i don't understand yeah i have no i have no answer for why they're a cat maybe i don't know there's a there's a special playstation chip in the for cat phys physics and we just don't know about it yet i don't know but that i would say that stray game it was beautiful but i have no idea what it is right oh me neither but it just looks staggering so yeah. i'm very curious also annapurna mostly do really really good stuff mm -hmm. obviously i um uh I, I guess the only thing in my life i'm famous for is throwing money at the screen because of a house mark game so you can bet i'll be really interested in returnal yeah uh, just happy to see them there on the stage again um what else did i really like the look of there was okay so odd world soulstorm it looks staggering, mm. but maybe a little bit too weird for me. I mean, but, yes, yeah. I, I respect it, but I, I've never been a huge fan of that simply because it is so odd. It's but a nostalgia I, do I don't have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that I, game. I, I'm, funnily enough, I am actually nostalgic about it because one of my kids loved one of those games. Mm. But that said, it's, it's not for me. I thought Ghostwire Tokyo looked sensational. Too, really too creepy for me. <laughs> really weird and I didn't like that. scary, but uh -huh. just just the idea that you've got a beautifully modelled city that everybody recognises as one of the great cities of the world, having this other side to it, and you being able to see it in a way that, let's face it, no other game has ever done before. Mm -hmm. that, that's going to be amazing. Um, I liked Jet. I thought the thing, thing I liked about Jet was a premise, but also loved the soundtrack. One of the things that I kept noticing 
you noticed it first in Ratchet and Clank, but you noticed it throughout the presentation, is that the soundscape was so much richer, which speaks to PlayStation's promise that this is going to be the kind of game where you can, sorry, kind of console where you can hear every drop of rain that falls. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's hype. Uh, and that's the experience they would have picked up from the sound stuff that they did for PSVR. Mm-hmm. I thought that the lighting, uh, I'm not a Hitman fan, but I thought the lighting in Hitman 3 was next level. And at this early stage, you know, this is like a an announcement thing. To see such lush lighting tells me that the graphical power of this machine is utterly insane. And I'll say about, about Hitman. Yeah. The cutscene part looked so much better than the gameplay part. Like, it was kind of striking to me just how different so they showed like the, the they had like the kind of cutscene rendered you know in the in the console in the forest looked absolutely incredible mm. and then they went to the dubai and like i found like the motion of the characters looked a bit clunky to me mm. um but again it's early but that was maybe the only demo where i was taken aback by the difference between those two elements looked a bit strange I, I would imagine they still have some work to do there mm-hmm. but but for me just a demonstration that such lighting was possible and it was coming from yeah a next generation console was was a great sign lighting throughout for, i'd say for the majority of the games was definitely next generation yeah let's let's just assume that like for the next year or two every game is going to have more lighting effects in it than is needed, right? Like, <laughs> everyone's going to go wild and ray tracing, and then it will calm down a bit, I think. Uh, you know, like, it, it's just it's just one of those things, right? Like, there is a new technology introduced. Everyone tries to find a way to use it, maybe sometimes in places where it's not necessary. Um, but it did look incredible. Well, the thing about ray tracing is there are three main areas where it gives you great returns. And people tend to focus on the most obvious and first one, which is reflections. Yeah. But the two other parts of ray tracing that are phenomenal and give atmosphere that you can you can really enjoy and is usually um, accessible without seeming over the top are global illumination and shadows. I mean, that's the kind of lighting that was really exciting. I and mean, obviously they went to the max with the Ratchet and Clank demo. I mean, Clank looked incredible ray traced. And of course... Uh, a metallic object and ray tracing their match mm-hmm. made in heaven right but also if you uh, remember the the floors the reflections on some of the floors were just crazy i was like here we go this is ray traced uh, very very obviously but it was the stuff like the global illumination and the shadows and just the sheer richness of some of those visuals in real time which i thought was next level uh so so that's going to feature in a lot of games and hopefully you won't be going Oh, yawn, here's another ray trace game. Because the typical signature piece of ray tracing is reflections. And people will eventually tone those down and, and realize they're not the be all and end all. One of my favorite games of all was Deathloop. Uh, <laughs> funnily enough, I know I've talked about why Deathloops are making an appearance in games, but I just thought it seemed like a lot of fun. I thought they, they used a lot of mechanics in combination that made it seem like a fun game. And Arcane know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Resident Evil. Okay, now I used to really like horror. Another and, game for Mike. And, <laughs> yeah, and and maybe I'm I'm getting getting on a bit. 
but I don't like horror as much as I used to. But this was so good looking. It looked. It was, I think, the best looking uh, human video game of the presentation. Yeah. Yeah. Or like realistic, I would say. You know, like it, it was definitely the best looking. I used a colorful expletive in my show notes for this, which I'm not going to repeat on the show, but it was genuinely terrifying. Genuinely terrifying. And, and I think I would have to play it just out of curiosity. Mm. Um, but it, I don't think it's going to be my kind of game simply because I'm not as much into horror as I used to be. And you know this is going to be just like yeah, incredibly yeah. intense. Yeah, right? <laughs> I, I, I'd probably have a heart attack if I were to actually play this. Um, uh, and my only comment about uh, Horizon um, Forbidden West was, oh my God, uh, I, I just have to play this game. Yeah, that was the best looking overall, I think. As, you that's know, why they saved it to last, right? Yeah, yeah, like as in like visually, like just because that game... You know, that that Horizon uh, on the PlayStation 4 looked like it was already a next-generation game. You know, like yeah. it, it was pushing things so far, and, and I expect the same from this next one. All I will say is I hope that this game is a little easier to play than the last yep. one. Um, n- not just in difficulty. The, the main problem I had with Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, if I left the game for more than a day, I forgot how to play it. Yeah. And... I don't know exactly what it was about that game, but I I really struggled to remember all of the mechanics that that mm-hmm. were in that game. It was I, I felt at the time that it was an example of a of an open world game that it was technically remarkable and and re- really visually impressive. However, it fell victim to mo- a lot of the issues that have plagued I think open world games in this generation, which is a lot of instructions hmm. and. Uh, a lot of things that you could possibly do all at once. Mm. So the main storyline that you need to keep track of and a lot of sub-quests as well. A lot of text just on screen, like all kinds of menus and the encyclopedia and the information about the monsters and stuff. A lot of different controls, a lot of different button combinations and a lot of customization of your equipment. So a lot of data that you need to ingest, that you need to learn, that you need to remember. Compare and contrast that with Breath of the Wild that came (laughs) out alongside (laughs) Horizon. Also an open world game that, however, had, I mean, it was so much more successful and it captured the you know, the the entire industry in 2017 because it was a new take on open world. It Mm -hmm. allowed you to do anything, but it managed to strike that balance of the sense of freedom, so much more freedom than Horizon, while also not overwhelming you with this, all of this, like, quote-unquote freedom that to this day you can pick up Breath of the Wild, even if you haven't played in months, and you can still get the gist of it. You can still do something and feel accomplished. Horizon, I feel like I would need to watch a recap on YouTube or read the manual again because I have no idea what I'm doing. So uh, that 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 I totally relate to that feeling, Mike. And it, it it's exactly why at the time I started playing Horizon, Zelda came out, and I figured, okay, I can keep playing both. And then whenever yeah. I left Zelda and I started Horizon again, I just felt lost. That that was exactly the way that I went with it too. Was there anything that you wanted to point out, Federico? Any games that that I mean, really excited you? 
death loop, uh, yeah. you know, uh, time loops are one of those things that whenever it's the, the whole concept of a time loop works for me in TV shows, in movies, in games, in books. Uh, I'm a huge time loop nerd. Like, I love it. Uh, so that was definitely a standout for me. It reminded me of the stylish action. Uh, like, I had the same reaction of, oh, this looks super neat and stylish. Of, like, when I saw as a kid Devil May Cry for the first time. Mm. Like, that sense of, mm. oh, this looks very stylish. What a like, great uh, comparison. Like, yeah. not even close to each other visually no, 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 but no. just as in a you've not seen something like this before yeah yeah that that feeling of oh this i didn't know that a video game that a video game could look so cool that it, it reminded me of that sort of um feeling it had a good attitude to it as well which i which yeah. i enjoyed which was much and the voice more than the visual the voice yeah. the way it sounded like it yeah it, you know and the whole aesthetic of like um what is it like a '60s spy movie type of deal? Yeah, with the with the movie poster. Yeah, that was super well done. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I want to point this out because I have no idea what it is. I'm not even sure who actually made this game, but I kind of want it. I want to know more. I just know that it's an action RPG by watching again the trailer on YouTube. Little Devil Inside. I have no idea what this game is gonna be about. It looks so interesting. Like the, the characters look like vinyl figures or something. Yeah, and it's like a very unique style that I haven't seen done before. And so, if only because of that, I mm. feel like it deserves a mention. Little Devil Inside. I don't even know who the developer is. I just know. I just know that it looks super cool and weird and fascinating. So I want to know more. One thing I noted about Deathloop uh, is it had that VR style movement mechanic mm, did you notice yes. that you could i noticed that point to a place and jump forward which makes me think one of two things is happening one that is now just going to be more prevalent in video games or two this game will have a psvr version yeah it could be both honestly like yeah we can do this because of the loading times and there's probably also going to be a vr mode it also reminded me s- like to an extent because of what you just mentioned of um super hot uh, for VR, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that, I that that stylish movement and that mechanic, yeah. So I don't know. It's definitely for me, at least the standouts. I mean, Ratchet and Clank, of course, looks amazing. Death Loop and Little Devil Inside, <laughs> which I would have never thought, but yeah, here we are. But Spider Man, no. Oh my Spider- God, what a surprise! You know, still got to finish the first one. Oh, uh, you go ahead and do it because it's one of the 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 best PlayStation 4 video games easily. I know, um, I know. But I was so surprised that they had this. I mean, I think we can assume... So it's called Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales. I think it's probably safe to assume this is more of a like 1.5 than a 2.0 for the game. That mm-hmm. it's maybe like using some of the uh, stuff in the previous game and building out a, a, a new story. More than a DLC, but not like a full game. I think of it more oh, of like... like the Uncharted... Um, Lost Legacy. Lost Legacy. Yeah, or like, you know, you would get... Uh, Grand Theft Auto would do this, right? So you'd have like GTA 3 and then Vice City. It's like we're building on the same bones, mm-hmm. but giving you a new experience. Like it feels maybe a little bit more like that. Purely just because of the time. Right? Like, Spider-Man took a very long time to make, right? It was delayed a bunch. Like, it took a long time. And we have not had that amount of time go past since. Everyone, I think, was expecting a Spider-Man 2 for the PlayStation 5, but not at launch. Like, that seems super soon. Especially because Insomniac were also making Ratchet & Clank 
right? So like, it's just a surprise to me, but I'm super excited about it because I want more of this world and I really want to see what this game looks like on the PlayStation 5. And, and you know, because if you remember, Sony were doing all of their demos for speed and loading with Spider-Man. Do you remember that? So when they were showing off the SSD for the first time, they were using Spider-Man as the test case game because it was like, look how fast you can move now and stuff like that. So I'm very excited to see what that's going to look like. Um, that that was a standout for me. Deathloop as well. And I also really liked the... I, I enjoy the Ratchet & Clank games, I, especially the, the, the most recent one. I don't remember the name, but it came back, had like a new attitude and stuff. So like mm-hmm. it, was, it was really fun. Um, there was a lot going on in that game, but it looked like a good mix of new mechanics, um, which kind of gave me a little bit of like a portal vibe and uh, the, the just the general platformer and, and button mashing mm-hmm. of that game. So I'm excited about that one as well, as well as many of the other ones that, that you guys mentioned. I, you know, I think that this looks like a pretty solid lineup for the holidays. Again, it's uh, some games are coming out 2021. I heard a couple of games coming out January. So like, it seems like this is going to be a pretty good, pretty good launch lineup. Can we just talk very quickly before we wrap up, though, about how funny it is for Grand Theft Auto Five? <laughs> what what's happening there? I have, because I have no idea. Well, it just looks like they're doing to it what they did to it to get it to PlayStation Four. Um, it's going to be some updated graphics and <laughs> again <laughs> some performance improvements it doesn't look like from what i've read that they're actually adding anything new to the game um i mean this is purely because gta online is such a massive deal right like it is such a hot game they're going to want it on this platform because depending on i don't know if they if i don't i don't recall the backwards compatibility conversation for playstation right now but um, I can imagine they will want this. And that also I read on the PlayStation blog that they're going to be giving away uh, GTA online for uh, free for three months when you buy a PlayStation 5. But from from the, the, the PlayStation blog, it says, Grand Theft Auto 5 for PlayStation 5 will feature a range of technical improvements, visual upgrades, and performance enhancements to take full advantage of the console's powerful new hardware making the game more beautiful and responsive. So like nothing really like it, there isn't it's just to have this game on the platform. Right. It was a tick box exercise. You got to have GTA, right? Yep. And it doesn't look as good as the other stuff. So might as well do it right up front so that's out of the way. Yeah, GTA 5 is coming to PS5. Let's move on. Do you guys want to just guess what year Grand Theft Auto 5 came out? I'm going to say 1968. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on. Just pick a number, Federico. I'm torn between 2014 and 2015. I'm going to go with 2015. Shahid? Uh, 2012? Right in the middle, September 2013. Because oh. it's PC first, of course. Wow. Well, PlayStation no, 3. Three. Yeah, oh my. It came out on right. PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360, then PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, and now it's uh, going to be on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series wow. X. This but when has did got it come out on be... PC? Say again? Does anyone know when it came out on PC? Uh, I think it came out afterwards. It definitely came out on really? PlayStation it was after. first. Oh, yeah, okay. it was PS3 okay. first, yeah. Oh my. 
Yeah, they've always done the the PlayStation stuff, right? Uh, it came out on PC uh, in 2015. Wow. It was delayed. By the time this comes out in 2021, it'll be in eighth year of <laughs> GTA Five. Yeah. Wow. It's not like they need the money, right? Exactly. This has got to be the first game to do what it's done, like to to have these expanded editions across three platforms. Like, I'm not counting Nintendo stuff in here, right? Where they they have like Virtual Console or whatever. But like for a, a game like this, like, I can't imagine there's been another right where it's it's gone through this treatment. Mm. It's wild. I just want another one though. Like, and but this I think goes to prove that that's not even even in the near distance is Grand Theft Auto Six, mm. right? Like, it especially is a long not time. right now in the current political climate. I don't think it's. I don't think they. Do you think they care? I don't uh, think they I care mean, about right that. Right now wouldn't be the best time to announce it anyway. But well, yeah, you know, I don't know. I feel they're like they're putting all of their efforts into online for the time being. I think. Yeah. But I mean, they've just done Red Dead, which was a massive success. Honestly, I'm kind of surprised that we haven't seen a remastered version of Red Dead for PS5. I guess that'll happen at some point. I would yeah, be very surprised. I would be very surprised if some of the um, biggest hits of this generation do not get the remastered treatment for PS5 mm-hmm. because that happened for the PS4. So why not do it again? On that note, though, Federico, the PlayStation 4 launch lineup was not as strong as this one. No, it wasn't. So that's a good point. So, like, they really lent on, like, The Last of Us remaster as yeah. a big tentpole release. Like, that was the one of the games you would get in the, like, combo boxed edition yeah. of the PlayStation yeah. 4. And this time, they have a very solid launch lineup, so they don't need to lean into that as much. You can slot those remastered games maybe into the end of Q1, beginning of Q2, or something like that, when you might have a bit more of a dip from the original launch lineup. Yeah, exactly. So I still think we're going to see some of them, but we're probably going to see them in 2021, like before E3, if there's going to be E3 next year, who knows? Mm -hmm. But I think some of them will, like I would be very surprised if like Red Dead or The Last of Us, if we don't get a PS5 version with the fancy ray tracing and whatnot. I'm going to buy a stack of remasters. And I'm not just talking about this podcast, which is well (laughs) worth buying anyway. Yes. But... Mm -hmm. Just to be able to replay the games I never really played on PS4 because I just got tired of waiting for stuff to load and update and all of that. Mm. That combined with the visuals for me is going to make it really compelling to go back and play some of the PS4 generation greats on PS5. Looking spanky, stylish, nude, swish and and just being able to get through those games really, really quickly. That I'm looking forward to. 